Well, welcome to the latest edition of the Forever Bristol City podcast. Um, what can we say? The final score at Ashton Gate, it was City nil, Bournemouth 2. Had I not been a guest of somebody in the posh seats today, I'd have walked out with 20 minutes to go. It was embarrassing. No other word to describe it. Yes, losing Joe Williams early on was clearly uh, a blow, but uh, joining me in the studio is uh, Ian. Ian. Um, embarrassing? Am I being harsh? Uh, yeah, I think you are. Um, I don't think it was embarrassing. Um, I think what we saw today was exactly what I expected and what I predicted if, if Nigel Pearson set up 4-4-2. Um, we can't take on top teams with a two-man central midfield. We just can't do it. And playing Joe Williams out of position wide on the right, I know people will say, well, that's where he played against Peterborough, but comparing Peterborough to Bournemouth is like comparing Man United to Bath City. So um, it was exactly what I thought would happen. Uh, we, sh- I mean, let's be honest, we were lucky that they didn't. I think if, if their players hadn't been so greedy, particularly in the second half, and squared balls instead of shooting, uh, I think it had easily been eight. So what we saw today was why parachute payments shouldn't exist. Um, I was talking to a Bournemouth fan before the game who was quite chuffed that they got Gary Cahill for only... 60,000 a week. Apparently, he was earning a lot more than that at Chelsea, so he felt quite chuffed. But you can't have that level of inequality in a division. I mean, interesting you say that, Ian. 60 grand a week, though, but it was a free transfer. And if he signed a two year contract at his age, Mm -hmm. 60 grand a week, that's like signing a player for six million quid. And I know that's still an imbalance compared to what we can do. But Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we'll come on to why Bournemouth, not us, at the end, because this was a thing that was just... I was literally sat about eight rows in front of Steve Lansdowne, right? And we'll talk about Bournemouth in a minute. But, you know, we can make all the excuses. The key thing for me was that they look fitter than we did. Yeah? But let's look at... Let's look at I don't want to talk too much about the game, because I was at the game, not taking notes like I would normally do. Um, in the starting lineup, almost picked itself pretty much what I was thinking, that Pring would stay in. Um, O'Dowda, I never think you're going to win anything with him in the team. He's probably one of the better players until he was taken off. But uh, is Atkinson injured and Masengo not being in the squad? I would have thought if he's got a chance of playing Tuesday, he might have given him 20 minutes a day. So your thoughts on the lineup? You already commented about King and James playing in the middle. It don't work. But uh, what were your thoughts on that lineup? Uh, I think he, he got the shape of the team wrong. Uh, because we need to play three at the back, central defenders. Um, he didn't need Atkinson's ill. Uh, Masengo trained this morning and could well be available for the Tuesday night game, not forgetting that once again we've got three games in a week. Now, there's been a lot of talk about fitness. I don't think they were fitter than us. They were a yard quicker, and they were also a yard quicker in their head. So, And things that I think we can do a lot better on, First touch, the first touch of some of our players is a pass. They can't control the ball. It's bouncing around. Bournemouth get the ball, it's straight down. But Gary Cayley isn't the only player on massive money at Bournemouth. Because don't forget, I think they stayed in the Premier League for five seasons. It was five in, yeah. That's half a billion in revenue. Half a billion. So I don't expect us 
to be able to even compete with that side. And we've got a, an even bigger test, uh, in my opinion, away to West Brom. Well, I think we've got a big. I think we've got a big test on Tuesday night. Oh, we, the, I, I don't see us winning. Under Steve Cooper, under Steve Cooper, that's three in a row. They've won two away and they beat Blackpool two one today. I think it's four out of five. Um, I, I don't expect us to win on Tuesday. In fact, I don't expect us to get a point because I think we've got a problem with fitness uh, again. And there's been a lot of talk, probably some of it too soon, about getting players fit and keeping them fit. I saw Dave Rennie's video, very impressed with that. But uh, King goes off. Well, let, let's talk about the shape first. He set the team up 4-4-2 against a side playing 4-3-3. Yeah. Um, and they play 4-3-3 all the time. And there's no way that any two midfield players at our club can compete with an extra player in midfield. Yeah. So he got the setup wrong. All right, let me say, ask you that question then, Ian. What should the setup be? Because they're dominant in midfield. I mean, Vyman and Martin today, they get, you know, do you say no service or they're just not creating enough? Because you know, in the midfield, Williams was definitely going to be a starter. James, definitely. I'd have liked to have seen Masengo in there, but he seems to like King. I don't know why he went off. We'll come to that later. But what would you have set up that was different? Because you say he's played Joe Williams out of position and then he's played O'Dowder, who clearly dragged him off at half-time because he wasn't given any protection on that side. But what would you have picked as a different starting line? I'd, I'd, pick, I'd have picked the side that I tweeted to you I was either Thursday or Friday in one that I, I tweeted about a week ago. I'd have played 3-5-2 because that allows us to play three central defenders and three in central midfield. Now, my three, if fit, would have been uh, James Masengo and Joe Williams. Yeah. So that gives you three in midfield and it means that Williams can play more centrally rather than trying to gallop up and down the wing. And then you'd have Turner and... Uh... Who? Who? Not Turner, Tanner. Tanner and Pring as the wide men there. And yeah. the back three of Callas, Baker and had he been fit Atkinson. Yes. Yeah, and if, if Atkinson wasn't fit, I would have had Viner right centre-back, Callas in the middle and Baker on the left. So we could still do it. Even though Atkinson was out, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've got um, well, we've got another centre-back down there in, in Cundy, but I don't expect to see him for about a month from what Pearson said on the injury update. And I don't expect to see Antoine Semenyo for another month from what he said about him. I mean, I don't know. I'm not claiming any inside knowledge, but just going by what Pearson said, well, he's had a knee operation and he's, he's, he's not quite right. So I think he's going to be another one that we hear in two weeks' time that he's gone in for an operation to clean up what was wrong from the first one. That's just, it's not even a prediction. It's just what I'm thinking I'm going to hear. Um, and then you, I would have played Wells and Martin up front because we've got no alternative apart from Weidman. I would have put Weidman on the bench to start with. If it's nil-nil um, and, and, and a point is considered not enough, I would have got Weidman on late in the game for one of the forwards um, or uh, one of the midfield players to add a bit of an attacking edge. The other thing, because Weidman looked as though he was injured at the end of the game. He was hobbling for the last 10 minutes. Um the, the thing that really disappointed me today was the quality of our football. Mm. It was dreadful. And it was just it was just basically big boot up the middle to uh, Chris Martin. 
And Chris Martin won a decent amount of balls in the air, but yeah. he flicked them on and nobody, nobody was, was running on. Nobody, nobody was running so past then, him. What, and that's... I, mean, by, what, I mean, Vyman has his fans. I'm not one of them. But to me, with Vyman, Martin up front, O'Dowda not involved, there were players that just weren't involved for the game. And King and James today, right, they're brought in for their premiership class, right? They both looked like they were running around in lead boots on, in my opinion. You know? Well, Callum O'Dowda, I think, was, if not our best player, certainly one of one or two that I would have given any more than four out of ten in the first half. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I, I could not understand we took him off at halftime. Um, if you want to change things, uh, was Zach Viner on the bench today? No, he wasn't. So Zach Viner's not on the bench. Zach Viner is a far, far, far better sub than Danny Simpson because he can play three positions. Yeah. Now, you, that I don't understand. So I think Pearson got his selection wrong. I think he got the shape wrong. And uh, by halftime, the game was over. Yeah, no, it and, was. It was. I mean, let's, look at their, let's look at their two goals here. And they were classy strikes, weren't they? I mean, the first one, last time I saw a goal like that, I can remember, was when uh, City beat Fulham. <laughs> that seems a long time ago. 4 0. It was four, maybe five seasons ago when uh, Tammy Abraham was playing and it was a clipped finish. It was, it, it was a, it was a good finish, but that was the, that was the winger. Was that the fullback who put that cross in for that goal? I think it was, wasn't it? Well, I don't know, but the goal was a, the goal was a block volley yeah. um, in the middle. But I mean, the problem was who was marking him because what he could do, that player, he could see the defender's number who should have been picking him up. And that's just wrong. So who, which defender is that? I, I think it might have been Baker. But yeah. he, he went to try and block the cross instead of marking the, the guy that was in the middle. But by that time, the damage was done because they got away down the right-hand side. So I, I think, it, and they played, the football they played, their movement, their first touch, their creativity, their passing, their sharpness, their mental acuity was all 100% better than ours. And... We were just completely outclassed, and it was like I don't know what analogy you want to use. It was like a Premiership side playing the League One or Two team. Yeah, and uh, I think that's the difference that parachute payments make. And I'll, I'll keep banging on about it because it's not a level playing field. And until the Premier League stop that nonsense, it's it's never going to be a level playing field. And I think they've more or less decided which clubs they'd like to, like involved in the Premier League and they're making it really, really difficult for anybody that's not there. I mean, exception of Brentford last season, who've been knocking on the door for a while. Um, but I, 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 would, I would say they're making it very, very difficult for anybody except a club with parachute payments to, but, uh, but to, to get that, in. Ian, again, this is a bigger thing outside the game. If you're saying they want to make it difficult for clubs... You know, to to get in the elite club that the Premier League is, then surely you know there's probably about four or five sides in there at the moment that haven't got quite the right cachet. That if they were, and Bournemouth would be in that group, you know, because they're not a big side. You know, you you could say you know you're Nottingham Forest, they'd sooner have them in there. You know, Sunderland even. Yeah, when you look at the crowds and the potential, it's almost like making it a close shot. Let's talk about the second goal, which, as you say. The game was dead at half time. Um, Tanner, I think, okay, he's learning. Yeah, he gave that guy far too much room, but it was a classy finish, wasn't it, from uh, Christie? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know about a Premier League goal, but I mean, we were under so much pressure. It was one of those that we were just waiting for it to come. Um, uh, and one guy, one guy by me said, well, he said, Ian, I reckon all I hope is that we can win another home game. I said, what, this season? He said, no, in my lifetime. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and I don't think it, it's not that bad, but I think today was um, a reality check for us. Yeah, I think it was a wake-up call for the management of the team. The concerning thing for me is players not getting to halftime. And, and I felt very sorry for O'Dowder getting hooked because he looked the one player that could play at the pace the game was at. The others were totally off the pace. Yeah. And if he was given the ball a bit more, because he started to do that, didn't he? He started yeah. running. He did start running. I mean, I'm one of his biggest critics. Yeah, but No. In, <laughs> in the first half, I thought he was good. Um, Joe Williams, um, when he went off, in tears, yeah, there's no doubt about that. He literally walked around the pitch with his head in his hands. Mm. I mean, is that his hamstring gone again? Have we heard anything on that? Nigel Pearson said it, it, it seems like a hamstring, but he said he hadn't spoken to him and he's not going to speak to him until tomorrow. But I'm guessing I, there's a major problem there because they, they don't seem to be able to, to get the lad fit and keep him fit because... I don't know how many games he started for us, but I think he's started and finished one, and that was Peterborough last week. So it, it it's not. I mean, he went off at Forest Green, got an injury, and he never gets. It's never a knock. So it looks like he's done his hamstring again. Yeah. Uh, how bad it is, because like anything else, there's I'm a bit of an expert on hamstrings after last season, and there's different grades. So if it's a grade one two, three weeks, but then he's got to get fit again. If it's a grade three, you probably won't see him until after Christmas. There you go. So bringing on Mackie Wells, as he did, for Williams after 13 minutes, he literally threw another attacker on. Mm -hmm. Do you think it would have made, and Williams was playing out of position anyway, do you think it would have made more sense at that time to bring on a like-for-like, well, I say like-for-like midfielder. I mean, you couldn't really bring on... uh, Scott, because he was dreadful when he played in that wide wing role, but could you have brought on the back in soon or bringing on Mackie Wells for Williams? That was a, a logical substitution. I don't think it was. What did you well, think? the problem is, I mean, if you look at, if you're Andy Weinman, he starts today as a striker, right? Then he goes right wing when Wells come on. Then after about 10 minutes, somebody told him to swap. So Wells is playing right wing where he can't play and Weinman then goes back to striker in the second half at one point he was playing 10 and then when there was a substitution and he went out and played left wing so he's playing four positions in a game and not so the whole thing was a to be honest I know the injuries upset upset the balance particularly when we went down to 10 main because we were poor enough when we had 11 v 11 but uh, to go down to 10 against a side that's that much better is always going to be it's always going to be difficult to go down to 10 anyway but um we had one decent period in the game and it lasted for 3 minutes in the second yeah, half and i yeah. was amazed to see that our possession we had 30% possession in the first half because i didn't yeah. think i was i was betting it on on it being about 15 yeah well overall on the game here it was 27% versus 73, but I thought it would have been more than that. In fact, it must have been in the second half if we had 30. 
um, in the first. Um, referee today, Dave Febbs was saying, uh, was it Gavin Ward? I thought he, he was, uh, yeah, if a referee is inconspicuous, I don't think he got much wrong today, did you? No. No, ref, I, I very rarely complain about referees. I think what, one thing I did get slightly irritated by was a linesman on the Dolman side hmm. spent half the game with his hand up over his eyes uh, because of the sun. Hmm. Now, surely somewhere in the lines, in the sorry, the assistant referee's kit, he's got a bloody baseball cap. Stick the damn thing on because he's running along, got a flag in one hand yeah. and his hand peeking his over the peak of his brow to try and keep the sun out. Um, so it doesn't exactly endear you to the crowd when you're giving close decisions if you can't yeah. see properly. Yeah. Um, we, we got, I mean, yeah, another thing today, we got caught offside too many times. Yes, but we did. when you, you can't pass the ball, and I don't think any of the players today came out of that game looking like a player that could play at this level, yeah. championship level, week in, week out. Yeah. I, I thought think, they what, were all poor. What did you think of Backinson when he came on? Because, you know, he, he's he got that lithsome build. He's got physicality. But he was just running around doing not a lot, really. Well, I, I think him by? Well, I think he's not take. Nigel Pearson's talked a lot about if players aren't in the side and they get on, they've got to take their opportunity. And he, he didn't. didn't. I thought he's, when he came on, once again, I, I don't know what they do in training, but some of them, their first touch. I know his first touch, he put it into touch. It was a simple side ball. Yeah, and he did it again in the second half, over a bit later on in the second half. He did play one half-decent pass that nearly put Naki, Naki Wells away. But I, I just don't think... I mean, playing people, at, uh, playing people that aren't quite up to snuff is one thing. Playing them out of position puts too much pressure on them and, and it doesn't do the team any good. So I honestly think you've, um, he's got to sit down with his uh, with Fleming and the coaches and say, right, well, what do we, how do Forest play? How do we need to line up against them? And then the next thing is who's available. Um, so I mean, I wouldn't start Vyman. I think it, him and Martin are pretty much worn out. This boot it philosophy because the football we're playing dreadful football at the moment um and this boot it up to martin who then flicks the ball on to nobody because no one's running past him yeah um is is just awful to watch because all all we do is give the ball away and when the goalkeeper's coming out to take free kicks six yards inside our own half why why not let james take the free kick and and because in theory he should be a far better passer of the ball than Bentley, and it doesn't work. Please stop doing it. Yeah, it does. I mean, it was interesting listening to uh, Gary Hours uh, after the game, and uh, he said, you know, if you can't beat them at their own game, then you try something different. And you know, the way to do something different is to be a little bit physical. Now, saying that we couldn't get near them, but interestingly today the foul count. We only committed four fouls. That shows what does that show in powder puff, really, doesn't it? It yeah. shows it shows we couldn't get close enough to foul them, and it shows that we've got uh, on at most levels a small weak team. So if you look at the players in our side who you think he's got a real tackle in him, you pick out Baker and Callas, wouldn't you? Yeah. And say, yeah, I wouldn't want to be tackled by those two. 
Bentley uh, is a, I wouldn't say he's a lump, but he's a big lad in, you know, you wouldn't want him to crash into you. So that's three. All right. And Chris Martin has got physicality, but he's not the biggest. And he was up against the next England centre half and Lloyd Kelly, who looks a decent player. Yeah. Uh, and when our players had any chance of getting away, uh, they were fouled. And our foul fa- foul count is normally pretty low anyway because we lack the physicality in midfield. King isn't going to kick anybody. Matty James, a little bit possibly. Hand gets stuck in. Joe Williams will kick him, but yeah. he can't do well, that. Well, we're not going to see him probably. He, he can't uh, do that from well, the, we don't know, but from the say, dugout. I'll, I'll say you won't see him for, before the end of November. Well, you've got, you've got to think, if you're Nigel Pearson... Dare I start the game with some of these players? Because I'm, I, it's likely I'll be replacing at least one before sure. half time. Yeah. And what, you, what went wrong with King? Because he sort of knocked the ball out, and then I thought he'd have some sort of seizure because he went down on his his knee. You know, he just looked like. And all through the game, you know, I said to Mel, I said, next to me, I said, these guys, they don't look on their toes. I applied to Matty James as well because he's had, you know, for a player with his pedigree. He's good, but he's not a player that seems to massively affect the game. And what 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 did what did well, you think of his performance? And what what he, do you think was wrong with him? Have we heard well, anything about that? He won't massively affect the game against players that are a lot better than he is. So what you've got to look at, look at our side, and how many players on our team would get into Bournemouth's team or Fulham's team? Um, uh, goalkeeper, possibly, but they both got good goalkeepers. Callas. Callas, possibly, but That's it. That's would it. you would That's you it. drop Gary Cahill or Lloyd Kelly to play Thomas Callas? Uh, or Nathan you might Baker? Play, you might play Kelly as a fullback, but yeah, but that's well, you, like, I don't think you would. But no, that's a bit like when Jeff Merrick had to go as a fullback to accommodate Norman Hunter, wasn't it? Yeah, but I don't I don't good. I think there's a what stuck out to me today is how poor our football was. We couldn't string five passes together. Uh, how much space they had. And that's about a thing called movement. And our movement's terrible. We're still doing non-league throw-ins, you know, throwing the ball up the line for a flick-in. Throw the ball into the middle of the field and open play up. Um, and it's things like that that the coaches should be impressing on them. Because all I ever see them doing in training is playing five-a-side games, uh, uh, you know, like attack versus defence. Yeah. And, and that's just... Uh, but the, the actual, the first touch side of it, I am annoyed about. Because they're pros. But the number of times the ball was, you know, our players would try and trap the ball and it bounce off their knee or bounce off their foot and go a yard in front of them. And you can't do that against against better sides. I'm not expecting us to be Man City. But I am expecting players to be able to trap the ball. I mean, come on. Yeah. No, I mean, so, again, we've had Nigel Pearson out of it for a while. He didn't appear down on the touchline until quite deep into the second half. Curtis Fleming seems to be the man. He is the assistant manager. Yeah, we've got Tweedledum and Tweedledee down in Simpson standing on the line. Yeah, we've got no, no shortage of coaches. And it was interesting, again, listening to what Gary Arrows had to say about wingers with their responsibilities and covering the fullbacks when they're under pressure. And he said it's the players responsibility but as Jeff Trainman picks him up on it and he said yeah but it's the players responsibility but the coaches are there to drum into them it's their responsibility I mean do you think there's a you know it's the same old thing with City isn't it like an element of 
complacency. You know, we're doing okay, but, you know, there's no urgency about it. And Nigel Pearson being away from it, yeah, do you think that has had an effect? Or do you think he's just sort of shrugging his shoulders, you know, 16 games now without a home win? You know, and somebody said he was laughing and joking with Scott Carter at the end of the game. I'd be fuming. I'd be in the dressing room. I'm really saying, come on, lads. I expected something more from you. I I've watched you for two weeks. I don't think there's any point in doing that because it's a little bit like, I don't know, if your team gets rings run round them by Barcelona, going in in Slayton, the, the players know that they're not good enough to compete against those players. So it's up to the manager to come up with a formation. So, for example... If you go to West Brom and set up 4-4-2, it'll be 4-0 by half-time. Yeah. So now you talk about wide players. If you're picking wide attacking players on based on their ability to defend, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, I think you're in the wrong box. Yeah. Because it, it, we've only we haven't got uh very many what I would call genuine wide players, right? We've got O'Dowder. Antoine Semenyo could play wide right, but he's but injured. He's not cro- well, he's crossed a couple of times against Cardiff, didn't he? But well, he's, he's, not, he's not on Nicholas Elias when it comes to crossing. Well, them. very few people are. I mean, he had the second highest number of assists in the championship. So, but an assist per minute, probably we couldn't high. we couldn't put him into no manager could fit him into a team. Uh, and and for me, they didn't try hard enough. But we'll, we'll park that one. But who are you going to play wide now? You could bring in Sam Pearson. He's a wide right midfielder as opposed to an out-and-out winger. So you could do that. But that's it. The cupboard's bare. Yeah. And it's no good wishing people where Naki Wells can't play wide. I yeah. don't like Vyman wide. So when we go up to West Brom, there, there's two things that we absolutely have to do. And that's play... Uh, well, hang uh, on. Let's, before we got West Brom, let's look at Tuesday night. Let's try and pick a side for Tuesday night. And that's going to assume that Andy King is injured and Joe Williams is injured and unavailable. Yeah. Right. So Bentley picks himself in goal. So would you play, assuming Atkinson was poorly not injured? He was. He was poorly. Yeah. Would you play then Callas Baker and Atkinson as a three? Yes. All right. So that that picks itself. George Tanner takes a right back slot. Agree? Yeah. Yeah. De Silva or Pring on the left? I'd start after today. I'd start Jay De Silva. Okay, so then your middle, right? You bring back Masengo. Yeah. Matty James plays. Yeah. Yeah. You've then got. Do you bring in Scott or Backinson? I'd bring in Callum O'Dowder. Play you on still the, keep him in. I play him on the left of three narrow. Yeah, that's that's all you can no. do because. You need somebody. So you're playing Masengo. You're playing, so the midfield is Masengo, James, and O'Dowder. Yeah. With De Silva, if you like, Turner pushing forward. So that's your. No, you've got yeah. you've got yeah. five yeah. across the midfield yeah. when you're attacking, yeah. and you've got five in defence when you're defending it. So, and O'Dowder would do the same sort of job, hopefully, that Luke Freeman used to do for us. For me, though, Ian, the only problem when you play O'Dowder and De Silva, you've got no physicality on that side as well. Yeah. And if you're playing O'Dowder because he can't get across it, yeah, you really, I, I would prefer, well, I would prefer to see Pring back there on the left, yeah, at least to give it the physicality. Yeah. Well, I don't. I think it's a toss-up between Campring and Jay De Silva. I think the two players offer 
slightly different things. I don't think Campering had a great game today. I have to be honest. No. Nope. Um, and I would think De Silva being a bit fresher, but it depends what Nottingham Forest have got in terms of their uh, their 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 shape. Their formation. I mean, I think they've been playing a four-two-three. No, that he plays the same as he did at Swansea, which is, I think, a three-four-one-two. Yeah, I'm just looking at. I'm just looking at their lineup now. And I think Lewis Graben has been playing up front and doing okay for them. Um, but yeah, their lineup. This is how they lined up uh, today. Um, here we go. Looking at that, they lined up as three-four-two-one. Yeah. So they have Warrell, Figueiredo, McKenna. Through the middle, Spence. Is that, that's not Jordan Spence who used to play for us on loan, is it? No. Fullback. Uh, Spence, Yates, Colback and Lowe up front. Uh, sorry, then in the two in the middle, Johnson and Zinganadio, Graben up front. Yeah. yeah. And um, and then they brought on, you know, they did three substitutions in the last 10 minutes, which was Garner, Lolly came on, and then Mighton, who's a good little player. He's a winger, I think. He's he is. Carvalho was on the bench. Yeah. You see, we'd have somebody like him in our midfield, and he'd add to it, wouldn't he? Yeah. Well, I think you've got to look at if if you're trying to win the game. Yeah. Uh, I think you need De Silva and O'Dowda because we need to call sides so many more problems than we did today. Because we only caused them a problem for three or four minutes in the second half, yeah. and and then Wells missed. I mean, Wells should have been a lot quicker onto that ball that was headed across. I don't know if it was Chris Martin who ever headed it across, but he should have been a lot quicker onto it. Um, and he got caught offside too many times today. But once again, there's another bloke who, for a lot of the game, I think he tried really hard, but he was played out of position again. Who was that? Who was that? Naki Wells. Yeah. You know, he, either play him as a striker or don't play him. And yeah. it, the same applies to Andy Byman. But Nigel, I mean, that's another player that could play in that third midfield role. But I play O'Dowder because he gives you that left-footed balance and a bit of pace. And I think Andy Vineman is is just looking tired. And so is Chris Martin. But we just cannot replace him yet because we didn't sign a striker in and the summer Louis window. Britain's just need, deemed not up to it. I saw him hanging around outside the players' entrance today. Yeah. I mean, look, one worrying factor of our play, I mean, uh, well, one that's been a constant worry is our shots during games. Five today, two on target. Mm-hmm. Yet again, yeah. Yet again, we had a team twenty-two shots on goal. Bournemouth had, yeah. And you're right. At the start of the second half, you know they could have had three goals at the start of the second half. They only got five on target all game. I thought it would have been more than that, but it is our midfield that is the problem. Because if you look at the game today, I don't think Callis and Baker did too bad. Tanner's raw, right? But we just get overrun, don't we? Which is what, which is what you said a few moments ago. Yeah? Well, it's the mid, the midfield and tracking runners is a problem. So, so the shape of the side, because having, you know, because so he's playing with the wrong shape because he's yeah. playing William. I know Williams got injured, but if he'd have played a different shape with Williams in the shape that you suggested, which is a three-five-two, and Williams has stayed on, we might have given him more of a game. Yeah, yeah and I, I think sure. if if you if you look at it, if you look at our team, the, the things that worry me is a lack of creativity. And you've got players there that are classed as creative. You can argue all day whether they are or not, but let's call that that guy a number ten. And you've got Palmer and Scott, but he can't fit either of them into a team. Now, an alternative to uh, well, no, what, I know what you're going to say. I think. 
I think I know what you're going to say. You could play one up front with Naki Wells, give Ryman and uh, Martin a rest and play either Alex Scott or Casey Palmer in the hole. You you could, but the problem that you've got then is you, you talk about physicality. So if you put Scott 10 and Naki Wells, where's your physicality? And if you play Barcelona... Hang on here, no physicality. Bournemouth weren't very physical. If you look at Bournemouth, I bet they were on average two to three inches taller, stronger and fitter. Right. Well, I say fitter. It depends how you measure fitness. But if you looked at their side, I, you know, you look at it set pieces and really only Callas and Baker were a similar height. And, and I thought we did really well defending set pieces, uh, but I thought it was only their greediness in not squaring balls and shooting, particularly when they got into the box on the right-hand yeah. side. A few times, if they'd have just squared the ball, there were two players in the middle with tappings, but they tried to put it in the back, back corner. I mean, Bentley, in all fairness, for a game that we got battered in, he only didn't have made, a lot to do, did he? He, he made one good, really good save. Dive to his left in the second half. In the yeah. second half, yeah. yeah but yeah. that was it. Yeah. And, and so I can understand why... You you know you can complain that that, that Bournemouth um, don't score enough goals. I mean, I think up to now they'd only scored five goals away from home, but they should have scored a lot more today. Yeah, you're talking about physicality, uh, Ian. We we we, you know, I'm just looking at the Forest lineup and up front, right? They got one man, Graben. Now, hmm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Graben is no more physical than Andy Vyman or um, uh, well or or, or Naki Wells, for that matter. In fact, I would say Graben, somebody we were interested in a few years ago now. Yeah. They're very similar build and style I would, of finishing. No, I would, I would say Graben's more like a Chris Martin type, right. type well, they're player. Not, they're not beasts. Oh, he's, he's not a giant, but no, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good finisher. Yeah. And he scored a lot of goals at this level. But if so, you don't have you know, the physicality, as you say, if you put a Scott or a Palmer in there, Palmer's quite a unit. And if you play him in, with that midfield behind him, you know, and well, even even if you play Scott, who's more of a midfielder, it does give O'Dowd more freedom to break forward and what have you, and, and get the crosses in. I don't know. And you started talking about the West Brom game, and on the back of two defeats, and it would look very much like three. I mean, I hoped that the three games we at the end of the season where we are, just my gut feel, yeah, between 14 and 18. I said anything more than five, yeah, and, uh, you know, you think, well, you're striking towards the top eight. I think there's only one slot for grabs, which is sick, because I think the top no particular does pick itself. But, I mean, assuming we get a draw against Forest, which looks a good result at the moment, would you stick with that team that we've just outlined for the match at West Brom? Uh, the 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 three five two possibly, or I might even go, if Semenya was fit, I'd probably go for a 4 5 one with yeah. Semenya wide right and O'Dowda wide left, three midfield players. Mm. And uh, uh, yeah, either that or, I mean, I, I don't see us playing um, playing a full centre forward and playing that 5 5 system that Spain used quite famously in a World Cup final once. But, you know, they've got blokes who can play it on the floor, move and pass. We we haven't. So 
Well, we, Man City are doing that at the moment. What are they playing? Is it three eight, three seven, or something? Like that? Well, they play a they, well. They call it a false nine, but basically, it's it's almost four three three. But I, I they just haven't got a, a Harry Kane. They haven't got a centre forward, have they? Aguero's uh, moved on. They tried to get Harry Kane, and and they didn't. Uh, so they're they've got a lot of they got Jesus who can play up up front in the middle. Raheem yeah. Sterling. I mean, they're not. It's, you know, they got the lad um, Torres, but he broke his foot playing for Spain uh, midweek. But going back to City, you've really got to look at how West Brom line up and. What can we do to surprise them? What can we do to hurt them? And I think one of our main problems is that we're desperately short of pace. Now, O'Dowd and Semenyo would supply that. But like I say, I don't think Semenyo is going to um, be available. No. Um, and apart from bringing in somebody like Sam Pearson to play wide right in that formation, I'd probably say, look, the best we can do is, is to get our best 11 on the field, if you will, or the best what we can put forward is, is play the 3 5 2 and work like stinking and, and defend yeah. like dervishes. Well, Bournemouth, Bournemouth, West Brom, they lined up last night. I didn't watch the game, I probably watched a few minutes of it. It would be boring. They lined up, it says on here, 3 4 3. So Jay, Bartley, Clark across the back in front of Johnson, Furlong, Livermore, Mallet, Townsend up front, Phillips, Robinson, and Grant. So up front, they've got pace and physicality, haven't they? Yeah, and I mean they've and they, in fairness, they've come down from the Premier League and they're another yo-yo club and they've spent an apps a lot of money. I think yeah. that grant cost them was it fifteen million from Huddersfield, and he's on well, a. I was going to say, where did he come from? On a six-year contract, yeah. and they're paying three million a year for him or something. Like I remember reading it somewhere, but no, I, I think the the issue that 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 you've got is. They are going to be far, far, far better than us. So, what are we going to do about it? It's no good going out there and, and trying to play like four, four, two, and give them a game of football because we'll get battered. Uh, one thing I would like to say while we're doing this is a big, big, big up to our fans and the, the home fans and the travelling fans because we've sold out West Brom already. Yeah. I think Coventry, the initial allocations, two thousand, we're well oh, on yeah. our way to selling that out. Um, we sold Burning out. Away. We sold out Peterborough. Yeah, Birmingham away probably sell. I, I don't. I don't know how the Birmingham tickets are going, but I think the one thing that the board and the players can't complain about off at half time um, is is the support they're getting yeah. home in a way. Well, on uh, the back crowd again today, was it twenty thousand eight hundred? I think or something like that. Or yeah, I mean, for a side that hasn't. Hasn't two thousand two and a half thousand Bournemouth fans say yeah, and yeah. we got thirteen thousand season ticket holders yeah, that's five thousand pay on the day, which is not a bad walk up number, really, is it? Oh, it's a very good walk up number, particularly with the prices. So yeah, the thing is, you don't know how many of those were concessions, you know, like kids or pensioners or, or whatever. But if you look where we are, crowds of say twenty one thousand are absolutely excellent. Yeah. Um, but but they've really got. I mean, it, but the fans won't put up with too many days like that. I mean, we've had some tough home, home games. Let's be honest. We've had Fulham at home, and we got a point, and I thought we were lucky. Yes. But we played a lot better against Fulham than we did today. Yeah. Uh, yes, we did. Well, that was our worst performance of the season. I think. Uh, yeah, probably. We didn't, I, we, didn't get, we didn't compete. That no. was the thing. That's where it was embarrassing. 
that at no point, other than the three minutes that you mentioned here, at no point did we make them break into a sweat. And we looked beaten, demoralised, yeah? And again, Gary Howard, he talks a lot of sense. He said the manager's got to lift them and the coaches for for, for Tuesday's uh, game, and it won't be easy. Mm. All right, let's not talk about match action, a couple of things. And Well, Bournemouth, right, 12 years ago, I think it was 12 years ago, so this is post-Hull at Wembley, 2008, they stayed in the league by the skin of their teeth, yeah? They've gone up through the leagues, right? They cheated their way into the Premier League by doing breaking financial fair play, mm-hmm. and we got away with it. As you said, Ian, they had five seasons in that league, which would have earned them half a billion quid. That's right? just that's just TV money. That's just TV money. But f- five years in the Premier League, yeah? Steve Lansdowne, he's funded losses and ground infrastructure and God knows what else. And maybe you take the ground infrastructure out of it. But he, he, he has spent a hell of a lot of money, and he must look and think, what the bloody hell have they done to achieve that five seasons? And they went for it one season, didn't they? Yeah, well, they went out and they'd have been in trouble had they not gone out. Mm-hmm. But they get half the crowds that we get. They're living, they're, they're playing in a poxy little stadium. That's no other word to describe it. You know, crowds of 10,000. What is it that they've done so right that we've got so wrong, that we've just not had that joy, you know, because they competed at that level, for, you know, certainly for the first couple of seasons, they overachieved. What what the hell have they done? Never mind some of the other clubs, but Bournemouth, local little team down on the south coast, yeah, and there they are, five games and giving us a lesson in football like England did, England got from Hungary, with the Puskas team in 1953, because that's how different the golf was in the 2000s. How have they done it? They've done it because Steve Lansdowne wasn't their owner. And I suppose a lot of people now are going, oh my, how could they, can you say it? He's been bad at employing people. He's been bad at employing managers, uh, CEOs. He's got it wrong. And I think deep in his, his heart of heart, I, I bet he's frustrated if I'd have pumped uh, 200 and some odd million into the something. I mean, at least he can say with a lot of that, well, I've got some, I've something I can see and touch from my money. He's got the stadium. He's got the uh, training ground, the city training ground. Now that's probably 150 million pounds worth of assets right there. He's got the land where he's, he's going to do the housing developments and all that. So the off the field thing, terrific. No problems with that. But the on the field stuff, uh, he, he's gone from absolute largesse to absolute absolute austerity. And yeah. one of the things I, I'm going to ask Richard Gould in midweek, um, oh, the pensions do, he's, he's rates, speaking yeah. at a, a dinner, um, is what are we going to do in terms of, is there going to be money available to strengthen in the, in the January window? Because we need to. And is there going to be money available in the summer without... Uh, selling the crown jewels, if we, are, if, if indeed if indeed we've got any crown jewels, yeah. So you, so we according to some good sources, I'm talking Deloitte's uh, price of football, that that type of thing. Uh, we lost 35 million last season. We lost 10 million the season before. 
So that's 45 million. Yeah. But they're, they're talking about for financial fair play, not company's house, bringing in, rolling the accounts, the, the 2021 and the 21, 22. So you're going to get a, you're going to get a COVID dividend. The COVID, uh, well, you're not getting a dividend. You're getting an allowance. That's really. what I mean, an allowance. Yeah. So you've got, so, but what I want to know is it is what we've got, what we've got. And, you know, don't expect any more, any more money. Uh, or unless we, we, you know, if we look around and sell, let's make something up, Calas or Masengo. Or Bentley. Or Bentley. But I don't think you get massive money for championship goalkeepers because there's so many about good ones. Um, so, but let's say we did, uh, then I, I could see Steve Lansdowne saying, well, okay, uh, depending on the financial situation, you can have half what you sell in for. But once again... We're doing the same as we've done before, where we're selling the crown jewels and then saying, look how well we've done. We've made £10 million profit, but we saw what we could have had for that money had we hung on to it. I mean, Lloyd Kelly, £16 quid. Yeah, but Ian, Ian, look, I mean, he's playing alongside a classy player now. Yeah. And a Bournemouth friend of mine said, you know, he said to me this week, I put it on Twitter, he said, David, he said, you were right when we signed him he said he looks good but he always looks like he's got a mistake in him and the reason why he looks like he's got a mistake in him is because he's either too cocky or too casual which is slightly different I think yeah he'll try and play himself out but we put him alongside a good player yeah and it's a bit like Atkinson alongside Callas he's benefiting from uh, from from that relationship I'm sure yeah yeah and, uh, well he will do but but I could say he's got a mistake in him about any player that we've We've ever had. They've all got a mistake in them because they're well, all critical. No, but I think for defenders, it's more critical. You know, goalkeepers. All right, Bentley's got a mistake in him. Yeah. Thankfully, it doesn't happen too often. Yeah, but well, they, all, they all have, Dave. It's, it's not yeah. a, you know they're not robots. They're people. Yeah, but getting back to what you said, you know, I read Robert Red Robin's put here on the on the text. He said Steve Langton was great financial fair play, but it's costing him hell of a lot of money to be do it. Do it the right way. You know? Well, I want to know. Um, I want to know it, if we're not going to break financial fair play, how are we not going to break it? So, what's the strategy not to break financial fair play? Because let's say we lose ten million in in twenty one twenty two. Yeah. Right. That'll be fifty five million over the last three seasons. Yes. So you're allowed to lose thirty nine. So how are we going to put it right? Or uh, is the EFL going to say, well, actually, do you know what? Um, we're good. Because of, of COVID, anything you lost uh, in uh, in 2021 won't count towards financial fair play. Because I think it's not just going to be Bristol City. It's going to be virtually every club in the division. Yeah. They won't lose what we've lost, but they'll, they'll well, certainly all lose thing. money. You talk about, I mean, again, I think... You know, we're agreed on board, but yeah, how they've done it. Yeah, good managers. And, I don't know, and just that one season. But if you look at if you look at the teams that are up there, right, and we're twelve games in Coventry, fourth, right? Are they losing 40, 40 odd million a year? And in the top six now, Coventry and Huddersfield, neither of them have got uh, what do you call it, parachute money, and there they are. In the top six, right? Mm-hmm. Those clubs haven't got a benefactor like we've got. They can't afford to 
lose it. So what the hell are we doing wrong? Because we just seem to be spunking money away like it's going out of fashion and not got anything to show for it. Well, we... <laughs> look at QPR. I mean, look, they're up there. Look at, look at the... T- okay, Bournemouth, West Brom, Fulham. Right. They got the parachute payments. Yeah. yeah. They're the top three. Yeah. That's fine. You come down next. Coventry Stoke, Mm, they finish theirs now, yeah? yeah. They've got a wealthy owner because it's the Bet365 family. So, Coates, Coates, yeah. Huddersfield, Reading, right? But, you know, they were paying, what was it, Lucas Yao £45 a week? That was their last season. Are they facing some troubles? QPR, they were nearly broke. Blackburn were nearly broke. Luton Town, they're up there. They've got a point more than we've got, 12 games in, mm-hmm. right? They're not losing Let's take the average of the last three. Let's take the average of the last five years, yeah, and take away a few trucks. But we're consistently losing fifteen to twenty million a year. Yeah. So what is it about the financial structure of those six clubs? Well, all those clubs between us and the top three that we're the bottom of that stack. Yeah. Because then you come to Middlesbrough and Sheffield United. But let's just just take down to eleven. So take the top three out. There's eight clubs. We're the bottom of that stack, and they're all financially more bereft than we are. They haven't got a benefactor that we've got, yet they're doing better than we are. Well, if you're a benefactor, um, take the people that have taken over at Newcastle. You can't just plough as much in the, as you want. So if Steve Lansdowne said, right, I'm going to spend $100 million in the January window, right? he can mm. because you finish up with a points deduction. And the only way you can do it is if you get promoted. And then you get hit by, I mean, Bournemouth got fined 8.8 million. Yeah, which was about a 20% fine based on a 50 million. But they they didn't pay. They paid 4.4 and they paid it, I think it was either two or three years later, by which time they'd add 300 million off of Sky and BT. BT. So. You know, you pay your money and takes your, takes your choice, don't you? Mm. You can, you can, you can, you can go to the casino and put it all on red. And if you win, yeah, fantastic. If you lose, you won't got anywhere to live. So I can't see Steve Lansdowne ever doing that. Um, I don't think he'd ever walk away and drop the drop the club in it. But I think he'd tell you if he was completely honest, he'd tell you himself that he's made some poor. Decisions and it is Steve's decisions. It's nobody else. There's nobody down there saying, "Well, look, uh, I'll pick the manager and you keep your nose out." Because if if somebody said that, I'm sure he'd say, "Well, actually, I own the club. Um, You keep your nose out, and by the way, you're unemployed." Yeah. So, uh, you know, you could talk all day about Mark Ashton, but I can go back. Remember Colin Sexton, Uh, all this kind of stuff, and he's. If you look at the, the managers, the only one we've had that's been successful, and by successful I mean one thing, was Cottrell. Yeah. You know, got promoted. You see him get a win today as well. Got, got promoted and got yeah. the um, and won the auto yes, win did. screens or what, in whatever incarnation it was in. Yeah. Um, I, th- I thought got treated very badly yeah, the, the following season because we yeah. didn't. Well, that's because Ashton had his sticky fingers involved. Well, we right? didn't. I don't know whose fault it was, but but the but Steve didn't back him. I don't think Steve liked him, if no. I'm honest. And he was um, he was Dawes pick, not yes, him. He but I I'm, I'm still saying that, that for the amount of money spent, 
if I was Steve Lansdowne, I'd be absolutely incandescent uh, with what's happened to it. But yeah. if you're at the top, he he picks, he's got final say on everything major. So yes, the manager, signings, the CEO. Yeah. Well, the signings, is he agrees the money. Yeah, which is dictating who yeah, signs we decide, up. Yeah, he decides the budget. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if somebody comes to him and says, right, we you know, at, let's say we were ninth in January, and at, as before today, we were two points off the playoffs. Yeah. And Nigel Pearson says, right, I want these three players, and they're going to cost us 10 million quid, and no one's going out or no one of any um, of, 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 of any size that you're, you're going to get a big fee for. Yeah. I think the answer would be no. I think the answer, if you want to spend you know, a million or a couple of million on a, a, a League One centre-forward or get a loan from a Premier Club, I, th- I think he'd sign that off. But I just think at the moment, um, we, can, we can't, we can't no. afford it. And very few people can. No, absolutely. Well, just to wind up, we've just gone over the hour. Well done to Brian uh, Tinian to get the uh, director of academy yeah, here, here. job. Um, Gary Prober obviously being tempted away to join uh, Mark Ashton up at uh, Ipswich, who uh, got a draw in there, as we say, local derby against Cambridge today. Um, Tins has worked hard in the background. He's been a great servant of the club over the years, hasn't he? Fair play to him. I think he's deserved that. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think he's, he's shown great loyalty, and I, I particularly like the way he's managed the uh, players that we've had out on loan. Yeah. Uh, because we seem to have had some decent value out of other clubs developing our players, with with players like yeah. Semenyo being a uh, being a prime example of that. But uh, I, I think we we need to see a lot more out of the academy in terms of end product. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the side that started today. I don't know how many academy lads were out there. Uh, uh, none, I would have uh, thought. Campering. That's it. So Campering. if the academy was being successful, but if you look at the players we've produced and sold, which is the other thing the academy's for, you've got Lloyd Kelly, Bobby Reed, Joe Bryan. Yeah. So we've earned us an awful lot of money, let's not forget. And yeah, Mace, no, it's been self-funding, the academy. Yeah, it has. And, and you can spend what, what, let's not forget, you can spend what you like on your facilities and on the academy, that doesn't go towards financial fair play. There we go. Anyway, uh, we're just coming up to uh, the hour. Um, we'll be doing our Nottingham Forest uh, post-match review, and Dave Fez is going to be doing that one with uh, Ian as well, hopefully. We're going to be doing that one on Wednesday lunchtime at 12.30. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how we uh, how we perform there. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I think, as people have said, when it is just two of us chuntering away, it becomes a bit more listenable. That's not to detract from anybody else, but it, it's it, it's good. But we like doing them live, and uh, everybody had a bit of a laugh at the beginning when we were trying to get sound sorted out. I don't know what the hell's going on with I've got my fashion new mic here. I couldn't get a dicky bird out of it. So, but there we go. But thanks, everybody, for listening. We're approaching episode uh, 100. That will be before Christmas. And uh, certainly we're looking to go through 50,000 downloads uh, very, very soon. As I said on the back, on the uh, (coughs) header for this, we're back after the international break with uh, shit sound quality, background distractions, Ian opinions, my long-winded questions. If you don't like it, you can F off. 
but to those that do, thank you for your support and listening. Ian, you have a safe journey in because you're in my house again. And uh, yeah. I'll say goodbye to uh, the doggy. But uh, everybody, thanks for listening. And uh, don't let this ruin your Saturday evening or your weekend or your Monday or whenever you're listening to it. All the best. Cheers. God bless everyone. <laughs>